Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast from Wales Online, brought to you by Gulliver's Sports Travel. My name's Matt Southcombe and I'm joined by Andy Howell and Simon Thomas. Uh, we're still at Twickenham, where Wales were defeated this evening, 12-6. Tight game, chaps. Let's go straight to the talking point, the TMO decision in the first half. Gareth Anscombe looked like he'd scored a try, but it was ruled out uh, by the television match official Warren Gatlin. Not happy. A lot of Welsh fans not happy. Uh, and what was your take on it? Uh, I thought it was a definite try. Felt he got downward pressure on the uh, on the ball. I think uh, Anscombe thinks he, that himself that he uh, uh, that that he felt it. You know, uh, touching the uh, ground. I think if it, uh, the boot had been on the other uh, foot and it was the other way round, England would have definitely got that there uh, decision. Uh, they had three controversial calls when they were against Australia in the autumn. So as we know in uh, rugby and other sport, very often it's the home team that benefits from uh, such uh, decisions. I thought the uh, uh, the, the coverage was uh, pretty conclusive, really. That uh, yeah, and with downward pressure, I was amazed at the um, TMO. Well, I think it's from Gatland's hometown of uh, of um, Hamilton. Yeah, Waikato man, Glenn Newman. I was amazed that he uh, disallowed the uh, try. So it's definitely a try, but that doesn't mean Wales would have won the game. It's hell of a long, uh, um, um, hell of a lot of distance to go. It's before uh, half time, and there's no guarantee they would have taken the lead because it would have been a really uh, difficult conversion. But yeah, it would have put more pressure on, on England at that stage of proceedings. Sion, uh, such fine margins can test matches be decided. We sat here a few feet from the top table where the respective coaches have uh, only recently done their press conferences. And let's put it this way, Warren Gatland didn't mince his words. He called it a terrible mistake by the TMO Glenn Newman. Um, I watched it live. Live is very hard to tell. You watch the clips back. The more you looked at it, Quite straightforward for me. Patchell's hand got to the ball first. Anscombe. Anscombe's hand got to the ball first, sorry. Um, downward pressure isn't an issue. You don't have to have the downward pressure. You just have a contact with the ball as you, the ball is on the ground and not bounce it. He did that. He got the hand to it before Watson. Um, now the TMO has decided there wasn't clear grounding. That's his decision. He's put in that position to make the call. And I think most people would feel he's got it wrong. Bottom line to it really is, if that had been given as a try, there wouldn't have been any great criticism or complaint from anybody in the English camp or from English fans. Most people expected it. And generally, when you see that kind of incident in matches, nine times out of ten, it's given as a try. Sometimes you have much less contact. You just have fingertips and it's given as a score. Anscombe, I thought, scored the try. Anscombe himself, I think, probably was certainly of the view that he did. Might not have changed the result, but you want things like that to be to be correct and to be got right in Test rugby. And on this occasion, I don't think it was. Yeah, what well, was probably most telling of all is Johnny uh, Wilkinson, England World Cup winning hero in 2003, and their coach at that time, Sir Clive Wood, both said it was a, a try. Uh, if they say it was a try, I'm sure it uh, it, it was. Yeah, I think all the pundits uh, agreed on this one, and most of the the fans agreed. Um, having said all that, like you said, and there was still a long way to go in in the game. Um, England dominated large parts of that game, and and were good value in the end, probably for their victory. Uh, well, I disagree with you there, Matthew. Okay. I'm afraid because Wales come on <laughs> not for the first time. Yeah, Wales came on really strong from about the 54th. Uh, Minute, whether or not it was just uh, a coincidence or not, but Gareth uh, Anscombe moved to uh, outside half. They took Reese Patchell off, who'd been uh, indifferent, and uh, suddenly uh, Wales started getting into a rhythm, uh, seemed to get a lot more ball, and went through a lot more phases. Anscombe was taking the ball flat to the line, 
it's really dangerous making half breaks and bringing runners onto the ball and suddenly Wales look the different side maybe as well England start to tire a bit so what Gatlin says about Welsh fitness being superior maybe that stacked up a bit and Wales were really pushing hard uh, for the win there towards the uh, to, to, towards the end I thought they finished really strongly and they might count themselves a bit unfortunate so do you think uh, so what were you saying do you think England were good value for their victory today or I think they narrowly deserved their victory and I think the, the key reason would be is that they won the kicking battle the aerial battle the aerial contest they came out on top in that um, in wet conditions it was always likely to be a part of the game and generally when the ball went up in the air it came back on the English side um, Wales have been very effective in that over the last couple of years with Daniel Biggers of leading the way obviously Biggers not there at the moment and when the ball went up today um Generally, we weren't able to deal with it that well, which meant obviously we weren't retaining possession. If you look at the first try, up it went very quite early on. It was Anthony Watson got his hand to the ball, England attack from there, cross kick through from Farrell, and the first of Johnny May's tries. So it's a crucial thing. The way Wales. I've got to say that as well, with that, the kicking game is the kicking's got to be spot on, and those kicks were spot on, weren't they? Because you can have a pool kick or you can have an excellent kick, they were sort of 50 50 balls. Yeah, there, there were a lot of balls put up in the air, as you, Andy says rightly, the way it was contest ball, and we didn't come out on top of those, unfortunately. Yeah, look, I mean, I thought Owen Farrell's kicking was just majestic. Journey had a really, really good game. Yeah, sure. Look, the way Wales are playing to play now is admirable. I think they're looking to play this 15-man all-court game. We talked about it before, and what I thought it was it was you know a lot of credit for the fact that even given the conditions today, they stuck to it. Particularly so in, in that second half, they really sort of looked, they showed the way they want to play, keeping the ball in hand, offloading, always managing support. It was, it, it's really good to watch, and it can be really effective. The trouble is, in those conditions, you also have to have another option of the kicking game and being able to at least get parity in the aerial contest and they weren't able to do that so it meant they were up against it a bit and the other thing we've got to say is that there were probably three real golden opportunities the one we talked about Anscombe's try I thought it was a try a couple of others really Shingler's break I was speaking to Shingler downstairs now and I asked him how many many millions of things went through his head as he's making that break it was a searing break showed his pace Um, I think just uh, Steph Evans I think was coming up in his inside shoulder didn't hear the call didn't get the call went for a little grubber through England came back fairness they won the penalty the breakdown chance gone and of course the biggest one of all in the second half was um, you know Anscombe started to fire the backs a lovely move down the, the left side uh, slick passing slick into passing um, reached Scott Williams out probably 10 yards from the line maybe 10 metres from the line went to slide early understandably so looking to aquaplane over the line perhaps didn't go as fast as, as far as he thought but then across comes ex Osprey Sam Underhill to make the tackle of his young life. Superb covering, forces Williams' feet into touch, and those are the narrow margins. We obviously taught Mr. Underhill far too well when he was in Wales. <laughs> yeah, England, so. England you know, they did dominate territory, man, possession during the first half, and conditions were more difficult in the first half. In the second half, the conditions improved. Still and Wales came around in, the rain, yeah, though, well, yeah, I know, but Wales came into it more, it was a bit easier to handle the problems. Uh, uh, second half, but England did dominate a lot of first half, and I think we got to give the Wales. Yeah, they did conceded two tries, but they thought their defence was excellent. At times, they were really stretched, and maybe England bombed a few opportunities if they moved the ball a bit quicker or tried to go wider. Maybe they would have scored a couple more. But Wales generally scrambled well, and uh, Elma, don't forget, you know, and usually for England and Eddie Jones, they actually lost the second half. I, I'm going to give England perhaps a touch more credit than than you pay. Um, I thought they deserved to win. I thought. Uh, their kicking game was fantastic. I think Ford found grass a lot of the time, put England in the right parts of the field, and they built pressure from there. 
Um, I think they dominated most, probably what three quarters of that game. I would suggest, in my opinion. And although they didn't score more tries than they did, like you said, because of some fantastic Welsh defence, um, I just think is there is there something to be said here for Halfpenny, the goalkeeper, and his presence being missed in terms of his positional play often goes unnoticed by Welsh fans and there's a lot going on in Wales at the moment a lot of talk about attacking full backs this and that but there's a lot more to wearing that number 15 jersey than attacking and I just think that with too regularly this afternoon I don't know whether it was Anscombe's fault at times whether the wingers weren't working together with the full back but I just think Ford and Farrell were able to find grass with too much Ease at times, and it put them in the right part of the field. Yeah, yeah, but as well, Patchell dropped out of the line a lot and was back covering the one side of the pitch. Hanscom the other, and they kicked a, uh, Patchell a, uh, a lot. And uh, his timing wasn't great kicking the ball back, so he wasn't making a lot of uh, uh, distance. Uh, but you're dead right. The first job of the fullback, everyone can talk about attacking players, scoring tries. The first job of the fullback is to stop the opposition from uh, scoring. And Halfpenny's a master at that. His positional play and reading of the game is excellent. And Wales wouldn't have had quite the problems perhaps today under the eyeball because he's really good at winning those. And uh, yeah, he's a big mess. It's like uh, football, isn't it? Tony Adams, one of England, Arsenal's most famous defenders. What was Tony Adams' primary job? To stop the opposition scoring, not about the other end and score a goal. So Wales Halfpenny was, you know, he is a top player, not the world's greatest counter attacker, but besides that, he's a wonderful player, and Wales did. Uh, did miss his uh, presence today. So, why do you think Wales took um, almost an hour to to begin to look as threatening as they did all afternoon? I, mean, I think you know we've talked about Anscombe, and certainly when he moved to fly half, he did seem to pull Wales up of their bootlaces. Clearly, the game was breaking up a little bit more there, but he he does offer a huge threat. I mean, this is a bloke you know who came over to Wales in 2014, and uh, it's been a long time, you know, and he's had his critics. People questioned, the, you know, the efforts were made to bring him over in the first place. The, end, the two successive NDCs he's been given. Some people seem to have a point of principle issue with him playing for Wales, even though his mother's from Cardiff. And I've even sensed that some people, you know, actually been keen for him to fail and picked up on all any error he's made because they do have issues with him. And you only had to see in the build-up to this game when it was announced that he was coming to start at fullback in place of, you know, the, the cropped uh, Lee Halfpenny. There was a lot of negativity around, you know, some people said, oh, he's not even worth placing his team. Hopefully those doubters will now have seen, well, a lot of Cardiff Blues have seen intermittently, Blues fans have seen intermittently, that this boy can play. You know, he's a class act. He just knows what he's doing with the ball. He's got a variety to his passing as good as anybody in the game. He can put people into holes if there are holes for other people and if you close down those holes he'll go through a hole himself because he's got the footwork and the pace to, to cause real problems as Andy said he took the ball to the line constant threat he's no fun to play against as a defender because you're not quite sure what he's going to do and he's got the ability to vary it and do different things right? and I think that was a big factor why Wales did come good suddenly things were clicking he was taking the ball to the line and challenging and Wales looked good they looked good with him at 10 and it is a big decision to be made now about who starts at 10 in Dublin against Ireland in a couple of weeks time I'm not sure if Daniel Biggers possibly going to be fit question mark over that Rhys Patchell is a sort of patchy game you know figure the pun today uh, some good things but obviously he's a working progress on international level I think personally they'll probably start with Anscombe in, in Dublin what was noticeable and uh, when Patchell went to fly half was it was the first time really the offloads began to stick or even they began to they, they were starting to throw offloads when Anscombe was a, a, a fly half before that 
I can't really recall any effective offloads. Um, but when he was in, there was that passage where there was an offload to Wynn Jones, and um, then there was another one that quickly followed. I think it may have been to Steph Evans, and suddenly Wales had momentum that wasn't there before he moved into that yeah, position. Yeah, that's partly, isn't it, because of the error which was in their game, and they were often on the back foot early in proceedings because England were putting pressure on them, uh, coming up quickly in defence. A lot of what Wales were doing was behind the gain line, but yeah, Wales all started going forward. They were able to get over the game line and it's a lot easier for players to come on the shoulder then and the passes started uh, sticking. Uh, that was the biggest thing, wasn't it? They cut out errors, but ultimately, <laughs> though, in the dying minutes, it was a couple of errors which cost them any chance of uh, of, of, of winning the uh, game. But, yeah, I think when things started happening, Wales look a dangerous side, don't they? Do we need to be careful, uh, Sai, with how we assess Patchell's performance this evening? Because... It could be quite quite easy um, for for people to begin to place a lot of blame at, at his door. Um, obviously, there are a lot of factors to consider here. Anscombe went to ten after fifty minutes or so. Mm-hmm. Obviously, players become tired. Then there are new faces on the field. Patchell was there from the start and had to try and get Wales going, but unfortunately, that never really occurred. I don't think Patchell was that bad again, to be honest with you. You know, there was like, we highlighted a couple of instances where he found himself under up and unders, and the ball didn't come out on Wales' side. But you know, he did some good things. He showed poise under pressure with a couple of steps. You know, and I, I, I wouldn't have thought like you, people would be blaming Patchell. I think it's just the way the game turned out that Anscombe moved there. He's got, he's got confidence in his game at the moment. There's a little bit more space. Things are breaking up, and he's just a slightly different type of ten who just does challenge the line and has got a great variety to his game. Patchell can play well at ten; we've seen it ourselves, you know. We're lucky to have two young boys like that. But, but you know, in terms of international experience, on top level experience, you know, Anscombe's probably had a bit more. You know, um, he's a World Cup winner. In the twenties World Cup yeah. winner, he was a. He was in the Super Rugby winning team. Um, he played, remember, he, he played in the quarterfinal of the World Cup. So he's, you know, in, in terms of experience, he's 26. Patch was 24. Yeah, he's I think. a more, is a more experienced player at, the, at a high level, isn't he? He's consistently played at a high level, whether Super Rugby or, uh, or for the New Zealand under 20s or for uh, for Wales. He played World Cup uh, quarterfinal and all. Yeah, the problem with Anscombe is he's been in Wales. He's had so many injuries. If he could have got a run of games to the Blues and perhaps Wales, you know. He, uh, he, we, we've seen a lot, a lot of people would have a different opinion of him, but yeah, he's real. You know, he's a quality player. Who tests defenses. He makes them uh, honest, and uh, I thought it was excellent that he did so well. They Patchell just had one of those games. There's no point blaming it. You can't blame him for the defeat because it wasn't his. Uh, it wasn't his fault. He just had a bit of an indifferent game. England put pressure on him, and things didn't quite happen for him. But you know, he had a great game against Scotland, didn't he? Exactly. So, I mean, as, as recently as October, I was talking to um, Anscombe, and he, he was questioning when he was going to be able to play again because he's had this persistent groin problem that's plagued him. Then various different things attempted to sort it out, just wasn't happening. Almost like a last resort thing, he went out to Dublin to see a specialist, and within a matter of weeks, they found a, a solution to it. They kind of remodelled the way he moved, remodelled his, his his practice and his work, and he's come back, and the problem's resolved. And as a result, you've seen him string together a series of games. He's got his confidence, he's got his rhythm, he's got his flow, and the bloke's got class. And, we, and it was, I've, I've always thought that if he could stay injury free, get the games together, he's got the ability to perform at the highest level. Yeah. And I hope I hope the doubters will now see yeah. that after today's performance. Just because he performed today, it doesn't mean though if he starts at ten against Ireland in a fortnight's time he's you know, he's automatically gonna be a world beater. Fair comment. Because yeah, you know, comment. they they are top side themselves, smashed it lead the day. Johnny Saxon won the world's best outside half. So um 
you know, Wales uh, look over there probably. And Dogs of Ireland did suffer some uh, potentially, uh, you, you know, serious injuries there. Bobby Enshaw looks like he's out the rest of the Six Nations. Maybe tag Furlong, Ian Henderson didn't show up as well for the second half, mate. You know, that could be a really good match over there with Wales got to hope. We've discussed 10, what might happen there. Would you make any other changes just you know soon after the game obviously but would you spur the moment well, for thinking yeah, change yeah, things well that half and he'd definitely be back at 15 and fit you know everyone uh, knows that uh, Liam Williams obviously uh, he played an hour today gets another game at his belt he's a uh, uh, possibility on the uh, wing and um, I think Steph Evans has probably done enough to keep his uh, place well be interesting for me is if we'll uh, utilise uh, George North in midfield because you could argue today in those conditions in the first half they actually needed a Jamie Roberts uh, type player to bang it up the middle so uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, rule that out up front I thought the uh, I think Corey Hill's been a revelation front row were, were excellent in the Lucerne Ken always had a big game there did, yeah. Alan Wynn uh, back row um, pushing the certainly isn't he um, you know Moriarty was better today than he was against Scotland Naridi probably has he done enough to uh, retain his place or his tippers came off the bench made a, made an impact positive impact but maybe they see tippers as more as an impact player you know I think I'd probably stay with the same pack is there any possibility of Falatau being fit for Dublin no he's uh, he's missing that game he might play that weekend for Bath that could be his first game back yeah. Uh, it's either that week or the week I, after he shared with the play. I'm glad Andy mentioned Corey Hill. That's the second game in a row around. And you know, people say that, you know, we were famously Brian Richards go and not heard of Corey Hill. He's not had the plaudits. These last two weeks he's been outstanding. Different kind of performance today. He was really the go to man in the line out. Line out after line out he won. Again we saw just how comfortable he is with the ball in hand, often going to that close to the ruck first receiver and then giving the pass for the backs to loop around at the back. He's just a really good player well, now. Well, what he also offers as well in a huddle is he brings a lot of leadership to that team. He does heck of a lot of the talking. I know he's a track as captain, but he brings you know he, I think he reads the game well. They see him as sort of an old an old head on young shoulders, if you uh, if you like. That's a good point. So going back to what you said at the back, so you could possibly see a situation of Parks and North in the centre, and then a back three. Anscombe at ten. at ten, and then a back three of half Binny, Liam Steph. Williams, and Steph Evans, yes, which could be pretty dangerous. Interesting. Mm. Be interesting. Could be Warren Gatlin has repeatedly mentioned about. Exposing players to the top level, uh, learning about these guys on the big stage with one eye on the World Cup and one eye on the present. Uh, and which players is he talking about there and, and, and what's he learning about these guys? Well, uh, Patchell, um, you know, he's learning whether these, uh, this moment is ready uh, to consistently perform at this uh, at this level, same with uh, and today now, uh, after today, you might think, oh, he's not quite uh, ready. Naridi uh, proved in the autumn and he's proved in his Six Nations. Same as Shingler, but they're both definitely up to the task. So is Corey, Corey, uh, Corey Hill. Um, people like Owen Watkins, they haven't had enough game time yet and uh, to, to see about them. Uh, Josh Adams, uh, I think they think he's a decent player. Uh, in the making, but uh, they have got other options out, out wide. So, uh, in the long term, I think this is really going to benefit Wales uh, for the for that 2019 World Cup. Sorry, they moved uh, Josh Adams to fullback today. Obviously, a position that he's featured in for for Worcester. Um, they, they're showing a bit of faith in him at the moment. Is it fair to assess his performance in the last two games as as solid enough without being particularly outstanding? Yeah, if you look at it, he's probably had one clear running opportunity in two games. That was against Scotland and Corey Hill put him away on the outside. He hasn't really had much opportunity apart from that to show his pace. He's done nothing particularly wrong, and he will have benefited hugely, even more so from today's experience. But I, I could not, I could see a situation where you've had your two games now, 
We've got experienced players coming back. We're going to have a look at them. But you're very much part of our plans. He's going to be a big part of the plans for the, the, the summer in Argentina and moving forward. And he's been a really good acquisition to the squad. And, you know, showed his versatility by going to fullback. Didn't do anything wrong there at all. So, yeah. Pluses, but possibly might sort of take a break for the next game. Yeah, you know, but George North he came on today, didn't he? And he looked right up for it. But it was also, but there was pluses and minuses with him. He made that one great run, but you could have argued he should have passed the ball. But he died with it, and then he missed a tackle. I think it was on uh, Johnny May, you know, and England got away. So uh, yeah, he was a bit uh, hot and cold as well. But uh, you know, North had a huge game, didn't he, against Ireland last season? Couple of uh, tries and. Um, you know, if he's on that sort of form, they might want him in the team somewhere. <laughs> so it was a, it was a very attritional game. I think the weather was always going to dictate that that would be the the theme of it. Um, how do you assess the battle that went on up front? It seemed the set piece and the scrum was fairly even. The lineouts were fairly even, and and it was just a very physical battle up front. Yeah, I thought Wales maybe slightly edged the lineout. Their ball was pretty secure. They won. There was the one steal by Shingler. There was the one penalty Wales won at the scrum. Uh, I thought the Wales scrum was, was solid. Got a big nudge on in that one scrum. Rob Evans was particularly delighted that uh, got right up in the faces of the England front row afterwards. Um, yeah, listen, we've got a pack now that is competitive and, and more than competitive. Breakdown. Um, perhaps not quite. I mean, Wales contested there hard. Contested that I, I I don't have any great. Now we've come. Listen, me and Andy, very old people, and we've been doing <laughs> Twickenham a number of times where we've been beat, we've been beaten up up front, haven't we? And let's be fair. Let's be fair. You know, and that that was that was quite an even contest today, uh, and, and not thirty eight sixteen as Mr Howell predicted in the week. Oh, nice, nice assignment to find uh, find that out. Of course. Um, <laughs> well, I th- the one area I thought in the first half in particular where England were a bit stronger than us is their forwards had a bit more go forward and they got a lot of mileage out of the pick and goes mm, around the fringes and so that was getting them over the gain line and of course their night number nine uh, Danny uh, yeah. Danny Kay George Ford and Farrell were were very good today though I would say with uh, Farrell you know he was actually outstanding today everything he, I thought he was uh, great he did Man, we talked about before, Andy. Joe Launchbring, what a oh, yeah. what a fine player he is. You know, he, he made yards every time he went forward. Got real power to his game, and then showed that little bit of subtlety with that inside offload for Johnny oh, May's yeah. second try. Not many players, you know, second rows over the years have been able to do that. I, I, he's a very fine player. Yeah, I, I thought England were a bit smarter than us in the first half. Win those conditions with their pick and goes. That's what really got them going forward and got momentum into their game and put and turned the Welsh defence a bit. I thought Farrell was the best player on the pitch personally. Mike Brown man of the match. Mike think? Brown was man of the match. Yeah. yeah, but he's annoying, isn't he? You know, <laughs> you know, he's annoying. He's in people's faces all the time, chops in off and all that. He should be playing cricket, shouldn't he, for the Aussies against England? The Ashes. He's such a sledger, isn't he? Probably you, is know, right. you say that. You say that, right? But isn't that the kind of player that you would love to have on your team? Not really, because I think he's too much of it. He's a, if he was, he's a pain. If he was on my team, I want to pop him on. Yeah. I see. Uh, it's funny, right? Because we're 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 a little bit out of the picture here in London. But I see uh, our colleagues back in the office have done a story about people getting annoyed uh, that he got in Scott Williams's face after uh, Scott just fell short of of scoring late on. Is that the kind of thing that sort of irks you about him? 
Yeah, absolutely. Really annoying character, and he, you know, if you could, uh, it's unfortunate. I think the, a lot of opponents, it's unfortunate for them. There's so many cameras watching <laughs> these games. If this was back in the old days, I can assure you, in the seventies, Simon, when uh, he would have been sorted out. I, I, the thing I, is, right, you're right, right, and I totally agree with what you're saying. He, he, he toes the line sometimes, but as far as I'm concerned, if he's my teammate, I, I love that from him because all he's pure aggression, he's pure, he's pure strength, right. And yes, he, he gets in people's faces, he says the wrong things sometimes, but he winds people up, yeah, and, and, and he's good at it. Yeah, he winds people up and then he eyes behind his forwards. Well, like every good back, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> you know, the interesting thing about him, he's very different off the field. When I was up at Penny Hill Park this week, he was doing an um, interview, very calm, very you know, very controlled, very placid. And he was just chatting to one of our English colleagues afterwards, and they were talking about um, some uh, interviews he'd done and work he'd done with the media. And... Uh, he made a good point, Mike Brown. He said, you know, people judge me on what they see on the rugby field, but that's not me. And, and, uh, there's more to me than that. Mm. As certain people, when they walk over that white line, they get pumped up, don't they? Mm. You know, I'm sure Andy, when he was a uh, scrum half in his golden days, I'm sure he used to get a bit spiky, and you as well, before you were crocked. <laughs> I bet you were spiky as well. So, you know, it changes people. There was a bit of edge in that game today, in fairness, wasn't there? A little bit of scuffle now and then. I thought generally that uh, Garces refereed it quite well. What I liked about him was that there was <laughs> he just stood back while they were all having their handbags, and then he went up to the end. He said, right, that was just a scuffle. <laughs> we're not having any more. I thought he did well. He refereed it well. The, the one thing about coming up here to Twickenham is you always get the ref link uh, in the press area. You get given your own ref link and you get to listen in on what the conversations are going on on the field. And one thing that stood out for me today is this just voices and noise every, at every turn for these referees. And it just drives home just how much they have to deal with. And, and I said to our colleague from the South Wales Argus, Chris Kerwin, just nothing but respect for these guys because there is so much happening at such speed and you've got players shouting at you from all angles. And, it, and I would encourage anyone who's never done it to just get one of those ref links the next time you go to a game. Uh, I know they're not cheap, but it, it really does enhance the experience. I just wonder, did either of you pair have yours on today? Yeah, did I did, I listened to it, and you're right. Every kind of rug situation, you people scream, pillar, cross, fold, yeah. all the things wide, yeah. and it's, it's constant noise. By the way, I'm looking over the TV screen, just in a replay of it. And it was definitely a try. <laughs> I tell you what really comes across on those ref links is how hard the hits are because you can hear them studying in. Yeah. You know, this this <laughs> rugby's not a sport for the faint hearted, is it? <laughs> All right, Dan. here from our English colleagues are questioning our verdict on the try. Yeah, the problem with English colleagues is most of them got one eyes. <laughs> All right, let's get back to Wales there. Now, the championship still goes on for Wales. It's wide open. Um, where do they go from here going into Dublin. Ireland? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Wales are in, not in pretty decent shape because they picked up two bonus points uh, now. So they're only uh, three points, I think, behind Ireland and uh, England top of the table. It's make or break, isn't it? It's a cup final at the Riva Stadium against the Irish in Dublin. If Wales can win that, that uh, match, they've got two home games uh, to come afterwards. They're in a really good situation. Uh, it's going to be a massive match against Ireland, but Wales, they've had some heavy defeats over, uh, over there. But they've also put in some really good performances, had some good wins over there. And like we said, like I said earlier, Ireland had injury problems from the day. Uh, Wales have got a chance over there. 
and England. They've got. Don't forget, they've got to go up France, Scotland. Scotland can't be any worse. Work, you know, they're bound to be played much better the rest of the championship than they did last week. So it's you know, England. England. Then they wrap up the championship up against uh, Ireland. Yes, there's still a lot of mileage in this uh, championship. Wales. That bonus point against Scotland's really uh, good. Picking one up here. If Wales can keep uh, chiseling away, winning Ireland, and then. You know, they could beat France. Wales can beat France with a bonus point. And Italy, I'd expect them to get a bonus point against. So uh, it's make or break in, in Ireland. Wales got as good a chance going there as they had uh, coming here, I think. Of, uh, and uh, if they win over there, they're right in the end for the championship. The thing is, you know, you, you go into this championship, you knew they had to win one of those two away games to win the title. They had to happen. You know, they would have wanted to win this one, but didn't come far away. In the end, just came up short. They have to know if they've got any ambitions for the silverware. They have to go to Ireland and win. It's going to be difficult. We I watched we watched that game against Italy today. Italy caused England a few problems, but it was a very very efficient Irish performance. They looked to have playing off Sexton and Murray. That's, they're good players, you know. It's going to be a massive massive challenge for Wales out there. But what I quite like is there is clearly now a decision that they've they've gone down this path of this style of play. They believe in it. They're going to persevere with it. They did it in the rain today, Twickenham. If you're going to do it here, then you're going to keep on with it, right? And I, I think there's a real ambition to it. It's the way rugby should be played moving forward. And on to the next one, and let's take it on to the next level. And let's see, again, testing yourself against a very, very good side in a tough place. And let's see what happens. I, I do think, though, this championship is, uh, is, is England's to lose. They are the favourites when you look at the fixtures. Just finally, then, before we call it a day, um, what will Gatlin have made of this tonight, um, Yes, Eddie Jones has had his number pretty much since he came in as England head coach. Gatlin's come here again and Wales have lost. Again, we're looking at decisions that have gone against Wales as opposed to probably analysing some shortcomings. Is he going to be annoyed at the fact that they simply can't seem to win against England at the moment? No, I don't think he is. I think Gatlin's looking at the big picture and a World Cup and I think he thinks he can get a lot more out of this, out, out of this team. He's going to have a lot more, the most depth he's ever had as Wales coach, uh, playing-wise, and I think he thinks Wales are going to keep on Im- improving, and I think he uh, thinks they can, um, they will be able to do something at the World Cup. I think Gatlin is, uh, you know, after the Lions coach, I've seen it before with uh, Gray Henry and all, they've come back burnt out on being Lions coach, but I think Gatlin's come back, you know, with so much enthusiasm and energy for the, uh, for the job, and I think he's really enjoying it. And uh, I think he's, uh, he, he thinks Wales are going places. All right, that seems like a good place to leave it then. Uh, thanks, thanks for joining us, guys, and thanks to you guys for listening. Uh, at home. <laughs> um, you're ready for the drive back, young man. Yeah, it's time for me to get behind the wheel of the car and let's jump back on the M4, back to Cardiff. Um, of course, now the championship goes on. Now we've got a uh, break now for the next week, but there's going to be more reaction to come from Twickenham before we start building up to that game against Ireland out in Dublin. And of course, you can catch all that on Wales Online. <laughs>